This is Multinew Media. All right. Hi there, Christopher. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chase. How are you? Good, good. I, you know, I, we're coming up on the end of the year. And uh, now it, it may still be weeks and weeks and weeks away, but it, it's coming. And I don't know about you, but I'm starting to do a little bit of holiday shopping. And some of that shopping is for me. Some of that's for my business. And then, you know, the rest of it for other people. How about you? You know, it's that time of year. I'm, I'm picking out gifts, but I also like to find gifts for myself. So I, I, I tend to go perusing all of it. And this time of year, it's great because you can go on to any you know search engine of your choice and type in you know gadget gift ideas tech gift ideas and everybody's putting out their lists so like their top 20 top 50 you know tech gifts for him tech gifts for her tech gifts for this so it's that time of year i have, I have the holiday spirit because of it and there goes my phone <laughs> sorry about that someone's calling with their wish list right now see there you go yeah. And, you know, one thing we did last year that I want to change up. First of all, let me reiterate, we're not trying to be another one of those top lists of here's what you need to go by. We're going to give you some of those suggestions. Don't get us wrong. We're going to do that. We're a biz tech show and we love tech and we love gadgets. So that's going to happen. But we're also trying to keep in mind what can businesses do to, I don't know, you go out and spend some money this time of year to try to lower your taxable revenue. We're not giving any financial advice or suggestions. We know you do it. I, I In college, I worked electronics retail. I know it happens. So we're, we'll give a couple of tips there. And you know, more than that, we're looking at being aspirational because Christopher, last year, you gave us some really wonderful um, selections. And one of them that I picked up on from last year was you were talking about Google Home and Amazon Echo. And as much as those were on a lot of people's lists last year, I think this year, is the the real year that those are going to pick up as major, major holiday movers for business, for gifts. Um, so I think we're what we're trying to do is provide that list that everyone else is providing, but with much more insight and much more, not just the business focus, but this is, uh, I hope our, our list will stand the test of time and be true next year as well. Yeah, you know, I, again, I think that, that was definitely the big kind of wow thing. And now, You've got options when it comes to things like Echo and Home and whatnot. Um, and I guess they're kind of on the list again. But I found some others. I found some kind of unique, uh, I guess we'll call them niche gifts, not not stuff for everybody on my list this year. And, and one item in particular that, um, well, I don't know if most of our audience would spend this much on this particular item. So should I kick it off with this item? Yeah, do it. So smartwatches. Right. People are into their smartwatches. They're into, you know, their Apple Watch. They're into, you know, having it on your wrist. The whole Dick Tracy thing has kind of come to life now for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. I'm jealous of that Apple Watch 3, and it does me saying that. That's you, too. Yeah. You know, you're being converted over to the fruit side. What do you know? Not necessarily. No, I'm not going to buy it. But. <laughs> but watches in particular have not always been about function, as we know. People right. buy timepieces because of their intrinsic value, because they're a fashion statement. They're flashy. You know, I'm sure there are many people that own a Rolex that probably don't even know what time it is. Yeah. So <laughs> what if you could combine the smartwatch, the technologically advanced watch, but still make a fashion statement? Mm. Thus we come with the Louis Vuitton Tambor Horizon Monogram 42. That's one of these new um, Android Wear watches, right? 
it, it is it is a smart watch, but it's fashionable. List price only two thousand four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, there's been a lot, I don't know if Louis Vuitton is one of them. But there have been a lot of fashion houses moving over to Android Wear, the second version of it. It is, yeah. Um, and I don't know what to make of these. The first version of Android Wear didn't go very far, and there hasn't been a lot of work. And, and Google pulled all of their smartwatches from the Google Store. So I'm really interested to see if these design houses can can bring more attention uh, Louis Vuitton, though, $3,000 roughly. Whew. Again, I think it's a situation where you have people that they want a tech watch, so to speak, but they want to still have the fashion watch. They're, st- they're, st- they're fashion people. These are people that, you know, you know, they're not about functional. You know, what's the, right. old, uh, the old Billy Crystal alarm saying? It's more important to look good than to feel good. Well, we want our watch to be good, but we also want it to look good. So they're trying to kind of cross market here. And we'll, we will see how it goes. It will be interesting to see, um, you know, because the tech watches are still, you know, something that's I, I don't know what phase we'd call it in right now. But I, I'm not one over yet. I'll be honest. I've yet to purchase a tech watch. I've tried some. No one. And I should preface this. I have never been a watch wearer. Oh. I've never been a person to wear a watch. So all of like all of my watches are broken right now, and I feel wrong because I'm not wearing a watch. You broke all of your watches. Well, the, the, so my expensive fancy show watch, uh, the glass chipped on the top. My um, my running interval timer watch. Um, it had run. The battery ran out, and I actually did just replace it. So I do have one working watch now, but it's for it's for running. And then my my smartwatch slash fitness band was a Microsoft band too, and it had the notorious um, band tearing problem, and they don't make it anymore. So I'm in the market right now, and I'm looking at the selection you made, Louis Vuitton. Maybe, maybe I'll think about a three thousand dollar watch, but probably not. I see that Armani and Mont Blanc also have uh, expensive. Android watches, not quite as expensive, but I've got to say, even though I, I tend to prefer Mont Blanc as a brand, uh, Armani looks nice. This Louis Vuitton watch is probably the nicest looking of them. It reminds me of, um, I'm not going to go in too much detail about what my preferences are, but it reminds me of my fancy high-end non-smart watch, uh, which I mentioned has broken glass right now. <laughs> so what's on your list well i i guess i'm going to take off from where you're at because i i've been in the market like i said for a smart watch and a fitness watch and i'm leaning more towards the fitness side i've got a really i made great progress in 2015 and 2016 and have backslid a little bit in 2017 i'm not worried about it i knew it was going to happen just projects this has been a crazy year i think we've admitted that on the show over and over again so, I, you know, I, I'm looking at a couple of things on a different end of the smartwatch and fitness watch um, spectrum that I can bring up. You know, there's a great overlap and a combination. Uh, Fitbit has made their tr- first true smartwatch, the Ionic. They're trying to compete with Apple Watch. And if you look at smartwatches right now, you've got a, really a three-way tie in the market, and I don't know what the market share is, so I won't say the market share is uh, a three-way tie. But right now, the leading uh, entrants are uh, Apple's watch, so the Watch 3. You have Fitbit with their new Ionic, and you have Garmin 
with um, a couple of their lines. I believe the Vivo Active is uh, Vivo Active 3, I believe it's called, is the one they're really pushing. That's the three-way tie of new smartwatches right now. And then there's all of these Android uh, Android Wear watches that are not quite performing as well, and the market is a little fragmented. But there's something I love. If you are like Christopher and I, and you run a little, but you're not really a runner, I mean, am I describing just me or is that you too? No, that's me too. No one's going to look at me and say, well, you're a runner, right? They're going to say, huh, really? You run. Interesting. Tell me more. For us, there is a neat little watch from Timex. Now, Timex, uh, the Iron Man series, is what a lot of us use for our interval timing. But Timex has the Timex Iron Man GPS. It is the most simplistic GPS watch on the market. The battery lasts not just, you know, the potential seven days that the new Fitbit and all of that do, but we're talking can last a week or two um, with GPS on that battery can go. I think it's something like 12 hours. So you could conceivably do a full marathon with GPS on, which is extremely rare for one of these fitness watches. And it's only $99. Now, it's not going to it doesn't do even the most basic things that some others do. It truly is just your Iron Man stopwatch with interval timer and all of that and add a GPS in. There's no there's no uh, heart rate monitor. There's no step counting. None of that. It's just if you do, if you're familiar with that Timex Ironman brand that's loved, they're now technically in the smartwatch space with the GPS model. So I, I think there's a good counterbalance. You can choose a $3,000 Louis Vuitton watch or you can get a $99 you know, stopwatch fitness tracker type thing with GPS in it now. Did that's a $2,900 range in between. That is quite the range. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. And I'm putting so much emphasis there. I didn't plan on even bringing that up. But since you did, I, I think that smartwatches and fitness watches, people have this view of ah, been there, done that. It didn't pan out. Might as well make it 3D TV too, right? I think that smartwatches and fitness watches have their best days ahead of them. I think we're definitely coming back to this space. And if you're looking at Apple and saying, I'd love to make calls from my my wrist, you can do that with some of the Android models as well. I think LG, LG and someone else, um, I'm blanking at the moment of who else does that. You don't share a phone number like, like um, Apple does. You don't share the phone number with your phone and your watch. It has to have its own phone number, but you can make calls from your watch. And I, I really, I, I'm kind of thinking that a watch in the future may be, how we get rid of um, cell phones. I'm, I'm not sure we're going to be carrying around smartphones for another decade. And I think the watch may be one answer. I think it is one answer. One answer. Yeah, you're not a watch person. You're going to want to wear the Star Trek Com badge. And that's what I call these things. When, when I have nothing to call them, I, I just tell people, like, listen, in the future, you're going to have a Com badge. You're not going to have a phone. And you, you have screens all around you. It doesn't matter. So... Um, maybe one instance of this com badge could be uh, strapped into a band and put around your wrist. Yeah, I, I'm definitely more the com guy. I would want it kind of, you know, on my shirt, on my side, whatever. I would want it on my wrist. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a, it's a me thing, people. That's what it is. I understand that. I know a lot of people like that. So let's get off of smartwatches and fitness watches. What else we got? Well, I'm going to stick with fitness though for a minute. Okay. So I'm going to throw one out there. It's been around for a little while now, and there's so many variations on this. But if you're someone who likes your Bluetooth, and I'm talking about your Bluetooth headphones, 
but you're someone who likes maybe to be active while wearing your Bluetooth headphones. Um, I'm always, and you mentioned earlier about being runners, I'm always looking for that perfect headphone for running. Well, I found what might be close to perfect for now, and I'm probably pronouncing it, but it's Seen Wes or Seen Wees, C-E-E-N-W-E-S. They have a Bluetooth headphone. It's their IPX7. It is a waterproof wireless headphone. They're stereo wireless earbuds. Um, they're noise canceling. They're silicone. They're rechargeable. They're hands-free. They have a great ear clip. Um, they work really well. Um, they can work up to like 33 feet from the Bluetooth device they're hooked up to. Again, obviously, if you're running, you probably wouldn't come that far away from it. Um, they stay on. But the big thing for me is how waterproof these things are. These things can actually be used swimming. Hmm. So um, this sounds like it's something that everybody wants, but everyone would cry if they lost them. How much do those cost? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Are you ready for this? I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a pitch man on a late night infomercial. I'm already sitting down. I'm ready. 20 bucks. What? No. $19.98. You can find them on Amazon. Do you have a you pair of these? Ones. Do you have a pair of them? I do have a pair of them. How's the bass response? Like, is the is sound quality worth getting them? The sound quality is great. The battery, once you charge these things up, can work about you know six to eight hours, wow. which is in the normal range, I think, for most athletic Bluetooth these days. Um, I mean, you can go, like I said, it's on Amazon. It's got tons of, of high reviews. Um, you know, again, some people have said that, you know, when using it multiple times, you know, um, it eventually stopped working, you know, the water issue. Well, you're going to say so that about know. everything. That's every, everything I, does that. Yeah. I don't know if, if, if I would necessarily like, again, I mentioned people using it in the pool. I don't know if you submerge your head constantly with it, that they're going to keep working for you. Right. But they definitely will work for people that run in the rain. I'm going to have to put a link to these in the show notes. And I'm definitely, I'm going to be fully transparent. I'm definitely going to put our Amazon Associates link on there because I know I want to go buy a pair of these right now. I imagine other people will. And I'd, I'd love a little cut of that. Now, I can't click through our multi new media link because that's against the terms of service. But if anyone out there listening plans on buying them, go to multinewmedia.com slash podcast and click this podcast and, and click on the link because uh, I, I I'm I'm I can almost guarantee you right now I'm going to be buying a pair of these based on your hype man job of it. Well, and I think they're really good. And again, there's other ones very similar. You know, the IPX sevens. There, there's um, Senso, there's Mpow, there's different ones. But but again, this Seenwiz Bluetooth headphones ones. You know, a friend had recommended them to me. I had a, a set of Mpow Bluetooth, but the ones I had, the wire between the two earbuds was too tight across the back of my head. Oh, I hate that. And this has that looser one yeah. that kind of just falls along the back of your neck. So, again, highly recommended. And, again, much cheaper than the Louis Vuitton watch, I suggested. I mean, you know, if we if I win the lottery, maybe you'll end up with that Louis Vuitton watch because I'm starting to think uh, I'm starting to think that's on your uh, secret wish list. Ooh, uh, I'm, I'm pushing it, it because I really want another pair, too. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so something I've been looking at recently uh, for this upcoming holiday season is, you know, I'm, I'm, this year I'm a father for the first time. My daughter is going to be 11 months around the Christmas time frame. And um, 
I'm really looking at a lot of STEM toys, not just because of her. She's not even going to be one year old, but I've got nephews, um, two boys in their their preteen years, um, then some some uh, an older nephew and an older uh, niece that are both for most for the most part in high school or beyond. So we'll call them grown. And I'm thinking STEM toys, not just for kids. Now, I'll tell you what I'm probably going to grab for my daughter for um, Christmas. A couple of STEM toys are even, they make STEM toys for kids all the way down to about a year old now. And I'm thinking STEM toys for everyone. If you're like me, if you're the kid that liked playing with model rockets and electronics kits and chemistry sets and, 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 right? And if your eyes are lighting up like mine would be and going, I love that stuff. You know, I still keep a box of Legos in my home office, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. I do. I never, I, I mean, I may have pulled them out one time in the eight years I've lived in this house, but they're there. And so if you're that type of person, I'm looking at some of these things like what I do plan on getting my daughter, daughter, the Fisher Price Coda Pillar. It's a little caterpillar toy. No matter however you rearrange its segments, it behaves differently, right? You're, you're programming this little toy to move around, but they have stuff from, uh, electronics design, chemistry sets, and it's not like what we grew up with. It is, I mean, just the, the. I'm floored. I've, I'm at a loss for words. Have you been looking at STEM toys recently? Do you, do you know the type of stuff I'm talking out there? Because I want some of this stuff. It's awesome. You know, it, it's, it's one of those constant, you know, it, again, I get into discussions with people all the time about, oh, tech toys for kids and, and whatnot. And I just go, you don't understand if you were a child, you would want this. If you were a child, you would love this. You have to put the mindset of, of, of the child in there. And it doesn't take away from traditional toys or play or imagination or it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome that we have these things out there. And I was wondering whether or not you were going to go down this road, uh, being that you now have a little one. And maybe you're more in tune with with child technology. Oh, I'm I'm down this road fully. Um, and and I've been for a few years with my nephews, but not to this level because I I I honestly don't. I look at this every year, and I have for maybe the past decade or so. Because I've I I mean I I do I look for myself if there's any little kit that I'd like to pick up or any new thing I'd like to learn. I, I like the little um. Uh, they're little cars that run on the hydrolysis. They break water apart and then it uses a little uh, hydrogen engine to, to go. I love those types of things. And so I've been looking for about 10 years. I'm really, truly impressed this year. And I don't think I'm the only one. In fact, one of the companies I'm doing some research on, like, you know, Leapfrog and Lego and Fisher Price and all of those. But there's a company called Mindware and it was bought by Oriental Trading which had been previously bought the year before by Berkshire Hathaway. So that happened in 2012, 2013. So since 2013, Berkshire Hathaway has owned this company called Mindwave, uh, excuse me, Mindware. I mean, when you're talking about just four years ago, Berkshire Hathaway making an investment into these STEM toys, we're at the point where stuff that was put into the pipeline after that is now on the market. This is some amazing stuff. The money that they have access to and the the R&D they have access to now is not hurting them at all. Them and all of their competitors. These toys, I can't speak highly enough of them. I mean, Lego Mindstorms have been around for a long time and they're, they're fairly expensive, $350, $400. Lego Boost is a brand new, um, pretty much brand new tool that's more like, um, are you familiar with Dosh, um, Dosh? Are you familiar with Dash and Dot? little programmable robots. 
Oh, okay. The robots, yes. Yeah, which I, I, I hope you would be because Multi New Media's parent company, believe it or not, was one of the crowdfunding sources for that company. So I'd hope so. Um, if not, just we'll, we'll have to get together and I'll show them to you sometime. But it, Lego Boost reminds me of basically a Lego brain that works with Lego kits to kind of make your own dash and dot because it works with your tablet and you can program. But any of that stuff, Blockly for programming, um, physical programming, this is, here's where I'm at. Coding, mechanics, electronics, chemistry, biology, it is all there. And if you love that stuff, check out some of these toys for yourself uh, and any little ones that may be in your life. All right. I'm going to switch from toys to combining technology with a non-technology uh, practice. Okay. Let's talk camping. I thought you said you were going to move away from toys. It's not a toy. This is <laughs> this is something that for the person that loves to camp, loves the great outdoors, uh-huh. but maybe doesn't want to be too far from their tech at the same time. The BioLite Camp Stove 2. It is a stove, small, tiny stove, and you burn wood. And as you burn wood in your little stove, you can you know boil water and do things like that. But you can also charge your devices. Uh-huh. Oh, is so this again, that little one that burns? I mean, that literally you could cook an entire meal off of a couple of twigs? Well, yeah, it's one of those, you know, it's the little twigs and the metal cylinder and it's got the the tech gadget on the side that you can plug your phone yes. in. Yes. Oh, wow. These are amazing. So, um, again, if you're a person, you know, you, you want to go great outdoors, you're a camper, you want to go climbing in the mountains, you want to be totally away from mankind, but you still want to be able to charge up your phone, BioLite Cam Stove 2, and honestly, I think reasonably priced. Uh, you know, it's listing for about $130 most yeah. places right now. Uh, not bad considering that it will allow you to charge your phone. And what made me think about this uh, and what really brought it to light was um, there was a person in, uh, what was that? I believe it was UFC. Uh, yeah, it was a UFC fighter named Evan Tanner who liked to go riding his motorcycle in the desert mm-hmm. and kind of just go out there and go into the deep into the desert and camp and kind of almost like survival trips. And unfortunately, uh, he miscalculated his fuel consumption, uh, and eventually his phone died, and he was they had trouble locating him, and unfortunately, he passed away. Mm. But you think about it, if a per- if he had had this, right? You know, he at least would have been able to charge up his phone, so they could have located him. Um, yeah, so- literally burning small twigs. Yeah. That's it. it. It doesn't. It's not a large item. This is not something that's going to take up a lot of room for you to bring along with you. And again, you get that outdoors. You get away from it all, but you can keep your devices charged without bringing a bunch of you know battery packs with you. Yeah, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go to BioLightEnergy.com. That's BioLightLite Energy.com. And uh, we're not connected with them in any way, but it's just something that I know I've been following for a while, and it seems like you have as well. I, I love the applications for this, and and one of the, if I remember correctly, the original version, one of the reasons that this succeeded so well as a crowdfunded uh, product was that one of their missions is not just about being off the grid and camping; it was also to provide a low 
um, carbon output cooking uh, solution for the third world, if I remember correctly. And instead of having to burn um, dung, which which a, a good number of locations in the world still do uh, burn dried dung for energy, you can just take a, t- a couple of twigs and cook a whole meal and charge up your cell phone. And I, I, I love this. Absolutely love this device. And at $130, um, yeah, this can make a lot of people's lists if you are into hiking, camping. Uh, this is something you may want to just check out for yourself. So, um, are we going onto your list now, or are we going to do another one off of mine? Go grab another one of yours, because then I'm going to circle back. Whenever you're ready, let me know. I'm going to circle back to some of the business stuff of where I think people need to be um, putting some of the resources. Okay. So, um, you know, we talk about smart homes sometimes, and we talk about, you know, I talked about the Echo last year and things like that. Maybe you're somebody who... You want to start to get into the idea of, you know, smartening your home, so to speak, but maybe you don't want to go all the way in. Well, let's just start with your lights. And with that, Philips has created what they call the Hue Starter Kit. It's a system that allows you to control the brightness and and sometimes the color of your lights with real easy to install package. Um, and you can set it up to be uh, voice controlled uh, or, you know, through Siri or what have you. You could use, you know, apps on your phone. But it's just a way if you want to maybe turn some of your house lights into smart lights in your home. But you don't want to go full force into your entire house being that way. The Philips Hue Starter Kit, it, it retails for about $70, $75 in places. Um Again, I think really good for people, especially older people maybe, or people that live alone, if you want to maybe have some lights in your house that you can control from your phone, maybe as soon as you pull into your driveway, or when you're away from home, if you want to be able to turn some lights on in your house, you know, it used to be the old timers, remember, that you know, you'd plug in and turn a dial and you know, your lights would go on at a certain time and off when yeah. you're away on vacation. Well, if you had the Philips Hue starter kit, you could do it with your smartphone and decide when to turn it on and turn them off. You know, I don't know if Philips Hue is just light bulbs right now, but having done the a little... Start, the starter kit is just for light bulbs. Right. I, well, I don't know what else they they do, but I, I will say this. I've looked at the um, the Philips Hue's, the, their little bridge, what's it called? The smart bridge. And I'm impressed with this thing. So going back to when we started the show talking about you know, Alexa or Google Home, which we talked about last year, the if you do get one of these starter kits that has the smart bridge in it, that thing works. So voice control from Alexa, voice control from Apple's Home Kit, voice control from Google, uh, Google Assistant. So whatever platform, whatever ecosystem you're in with your mobile phone, it will control these. And I think that base, I don't know if the base in the starter kit does this, uh, because a starter kit would come with what one, one or two lights out of the box, but you can connect up to fifty of these lights. You could power your whole whole lighting in your house from one smart bridge, and the smart bridges themselves are only about fifty, sixty dollars. So, um, I, I really think a starter kit's a good way to go. Make sure this works for you. Get used to it. See if you like using, you know, Google Home or or Alexa to. Kind of, and the applications, of course, to control your lighting. But this is a really nice pick, Christopher, for people who have heard about home automation and have wanted it maybe since they were a little kid decades ago looking at the Jetsons. And 
all of a sudden realize, hey, it's here, but it's out of my price range, this brings it right back in. Here's your here's your gateway drug, so to speak, in a positive way. Uh, get your light switched over. Uh, see how you like it. Yeah, and, and I should, again, point out, I mean, I, I'm not going to say, you know, Amazon Echo, I'm not going to say, or the smaller, the Echo Spot or Google Home, because... Again, we mentioned those last year. You know all about those this year. So, right. again, here's one that's more, okay, I'm not really to go commit fully to hooking everything up to something, but let me try it. Let me try this. So, again, like you mentioned, great, great, great analogy in a positive way, calling it the gateway. Well, and, and I will say that because I don't want somebody to think they have to know all of that. They're, and, again, pardon me if this isn't part of the, Hillip, uh, the Phillips Hue line, but Let's say you do go out and get one of these starter kits. Great. You can put a couple light bulbs in and control it from your smartphone and just see how it works. Maybe just do the kitchen or the bathroom. You know, something you'd like to do that way if you're on vacation and you'd like to log in remotely and securely and say, all right, you know, turn the lights on, make it look like I'm home and in the bathroom or something like that. Um, You can do that. Just your phone and these lights. And I think I'm going to have to check this. But a lot of these lines also have standalone devices where one bulb will communicate with the app as well. You don't need the hub. You don't need that that um, the sort of the smart base um, or the starter kit that you don't need that bridge. So a lot of different options here to really see what works for you and what doesn't. You can again, you can start with just putting one light bulb in and see how you like being able to turn it on and off from your from your phone. Or computer for a lot of these. Some some of these will have, you know, tablet or or desktop applications as well. So what what's next on your list? So I don't know if you have anything else consumer wise because I'm going to move into business and I want to make sure that the, the consumer is a little bit out of the way before we do that. So where where are you at? I got two consumers left on my list. Well, let's I tended to lean towards consumer this year. All right, perfect. Let's drill through those first and then I'll come back in with a couple of business ideas. Sure. The first up is, uh, the, you know, again, not something that I necessarily would want for myself, but I know a lot of people who are really into, you know, Snapchat. And uh, they're now the Snapchat spectacles. Mm-hmm. They're glasses that will capture, you know, 30 seconds, up to 30 seconds of whatever they're looking at and then wirelessly transfer the footage to Snapchat. So it kind of eliminates the holding up my phone to get the shot, it's like if I'm looking at it, I can record it. Uh huh. I'm biting my tongue. Uh huh. <laughs> Why are you biting your tongue? Guys? I mean, come on. If we were going to call Google Glass adopters glass holes, <clears throat> I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> Just, open words for Snapchat yeah. The thing is, though, I think where this market works is really for younger people. I don't think and, you'll see and a bunch of creeps. A bunch what? of creeps at the gym and a bunch of creeps at the beach and a bunch of creeps and that yeah. Yeah, them too. Young but creeps. I think, I think children will really be the ones I'm mean, gonna say children oh, sure. and young teens and whatnot. Yeah, teens. They're the ones that are gonna go for it. Yeah, yeah. I they'll look silly, but yeah. And well, and the thing is you mentioned the creeps. The way these glasses are designed, you're gonna know right away if somebody's wearing them. Oh sure. So yeah. You could probably say to him, hey, are you really filming me right now while you're staring at me? With your actually, I actually think this is a really good idea for um, street teams, guerrilla marketing teams and all of that as well. I mean, I, I don't I'm not a, I'm not opposed to the idea. I just I don't want to see somebody wearing these like at a sporting event that that is going to be weird. So there are um, 
$130 for, for the teenagers that have parents that'll spend more on their Christmas presents. Yeah. Wait, one thirty. My, my last tech gift, mm-hmm. which is on my list, so hopefully people who love me are listening. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I'm going to go there with this. Sphero, you did it. You finally made the perfect R2-D2. It, huh. It's taken decades. I remember in the 70s, the battery-operated R2-D2 that just went forwards and back and moved its head. And in the 80s, we had all these different types of R2-D2s. But finally, we have a great, really awesome remote-controlled R2-D2. Sphero, it's got the motions, the sounds. You can control it using you know a smartphone. Um for all the Star Wars geeks that always wanted an R2 that worked like an R2, but again, not a full-sized R2 that you know would cost you thousands well, he, of dollars. He looks pretty full-sized. It, it's pretty awesome. He's only one hundred seventy-nine dollars. Oh wait, is this one full-sized or is this one of the like two, one or two-foot-tall ones? This is a two-foot-tall one. Oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's I, I figured I, I did the Louis Vuitton watch. I did enough at mega expensive stuff, so. <laughs> So Spiros R2D to 179 dollars. You know, here's here I'm Christopher. I'll make you deal. If nobody buys this for you, the year that we can hit 10,000 downloads a month, when we hit 10,000, I'll buy this for you for that year's Christmas. You'll buy me a Spiro. Wow. <laughs> All you need is several thousand of your friends to download this show and listen to it every single week. Perfect. No, that's really reasonable, though. If you are a collector, if you are a Star Wars fan, that's reasonable. $179. I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, if I'm buying this for someone, I'm not going to go out and buy them a whole bunch of other stuff, too. But this is one of those things. And we we did in in our inaugural year last year of talking about this topic. We covered it, right? It's, It's not that we're promoting baseless consumerism. It's the fact that what we're doing is we're looking at, okay, here we we love gadgets. We love technology. They're going to be part of our life. How can we uh, create a season that makes these devices um, a little bit easier to adopt, a little more economical to adopt, and we get economies from uh, economies of scale from doing this and having a holiday season, and that's what sales are for. And you're taking a little piece of your resources, your money, and you're exchanging that to a gift that resonates with someone to say, here, I'm thinking of you, or here, you're special to me, or here, whatever the case is. So I, I don't think it's mindless consumerism, and I, I think that's reasonable. If somebody's a true Star Wars fan and you get a, a nice R2-D2 like this, that's that's sending a message saying, you know what, I, I, I you need to have this in your life. I think that's reasonable. And again, you know, I just figured for one, yeah, you know what, there, there's no, uh, you know, necessi- this isn't a necessity. It's not, not a functional thing. This is just fun. And you know what? It's the holidays, so sometimes it should just be about fun. Yeah. And what, let's go business now. Yeah, great transition to business. It, it should be about fun. And I'm going to go counterintuitive here because, first of all, in every single year that we do this, we're going to say pretty much the same thing: of here's what I need you to do. If you're in charge of spending for your business, I need you to stop listening to me. Right? Well, don't turn the show off yet. But after you finish listening to the show tune us out in your mind temporarily and go ask your employees go ask the people that you work with what do we need what am i missing maybe it's as simple as you know i'm looking i I had to switch office chairs in order to record i have a recording chair and a regular chair and i wanted to record in the comfy regular chair today but it squeaks so much 
And when you ask people, you know, what's broken around here? What do we need? Trust me, you're going to find those things that when you're looking to say, mm, how can we spend another two, three, four, five thousand dollars by the end of the year? How can we spend another twenty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, depending on the size of your company and what you need um, in order to put yourself in the right place? Again, I'm not suggesting this. I, I used to work <laughs> in electronics retail and in business retail. I know it happens. So let's just start there. Ask people what you need, but I do have some suggestions and even my suggestions will be a little bit counterproductive because most of these we use to eliminate or reduce costs. So I'm going to focus on subscriptions this year. I think that what you may want to do is rebalance all of the subscriptions you have, whether it's for website hosting, whether it's for cloud services, whether it's industry publications. Maybe you're going to save a little bit money, but a little bit of money. But I think you're better. Uh, I think you're going to find that you, whether you save money or spend more, the realignment of your resources is going to be well worth your time. A couple places to start. So if you're small to mid-sized business, you may want to check out your Microsoft Office subscription. You know, and this is something I'm doing on the back end right now. I'm looking at should I move from Business Premium to Enterprise E3. If I do, it's more expensive and I can write more off during the year. There's that. But that's a really dumb reason to change a plan. What do I get for it? Would the extra benefit pay off? Are there any things that I would lose? So, of course, rebalancing your subscriptions. One thing I'm really into right now in terms of subscriptions and have been working in quarter four of this year. If you've noticed a little bit slower schedule in the show, there's good reason for that. Some of it we haven't told you what's happening behind the scenes. Um, and, and that's because not all of it is great, right? We, we try to come with good news, but what we are working on behind the scenes that is good news is we're moving from the old, the regular traditional hosting, moving over to running a cloud VPS, a, a virtual private server on the cloud. And I almost want to tell everyone after my experience with these of, of running up a lamp instance and putting the multi new media website on there, uh, I, I want to tell everybody in business. You need to go try these things, right? We avoid virtual private servers and we tell our IT departments to to do whatever we need them to do. But when we're looking at DigitalOcean and Amazon's AWS and Azure with their VMs, having options from about $5, $10 a month where you can spin up a virtual server, I think every single business person needs to jump in and start playing around with some of these Linux distributions and some of the software on there. Because here's my prediction, and I'm not ready to make this prediction. I want to talk to a few more people first. But I think business analysts need to start crossing over into the realm of IT soon. And if you're an analyst at the top level, maybe a big company, or you're just, you are definitely an analyst and you're going down that career path, I think we're going to need to start learning Linux. You know, we've 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 taken it up to learn programming languages like R and we write VBA for Excel macros all the time. I think that using Linux, just like all of the developers do now, I think it's going to be beneficial to us in the future because we, um, you know, we can start building packages for for analytics and for other uh, anything we want to deploy. Let me just instead of going for 20 hours on it, say that and start looking at. Not just installing Ubuntu on our Windows machine, which we can do now, but spinning up some of these VPSs in a place that we can trash and burn and learn to our heart's content. By the way, that's another $10 a month if you're trying to write stuff off. And here's my big one. I mean this seriously. I want you to consider 
In terms of subscriptions, magazines and journals. I'm talking everything from the $5 a month, you know, consumer electronics magazines, all the way up to the $5,000 a quarter industry publications and academic publications. And I want you to think about magazines, periodicals, journals, especially the, the ones that are still printed, still in print. Because if you are people who are coming together and you're working in an office place and you're all in a shared location, magazines and periodicals are a wonderful way to convert downtime and make it inspirational and productive. Let people uncharge or excuse me, let people recharge and unwind doing the things they love. They're in their profession, hopefully for a reason. They love it. Put these magazines in so when they want to disconnect from the screen, when they want to take a walk, when they want to just sit in a lounge chair, that they can pick these magazines and journals up and focus on their interests and get ideas, get inspiration to then bring back to the computer when they walk back to their cubicle or their office. Those are a couple of areas I would uh, I would really steer people towards this year looking at your subscriptions rebalancing them yeah you end up you you may end up saving money i may not be able to help you this year with that suggestion of we need to spend more to lower our tax rate but you know then you could get more periodicals and offset that so i i think subscriptions are where people really need to be looking at this year in terms of end of year spending you know just to go something you mentioned earlier you ever want to evaluate I think as a business, what you're spending money on and where you're putting that money. And so many businesses fall into that trap of it works. I'm comfortable with it. I'm not changing it. Right. And, and it's things like servers and web hosting and, and, you know, internet connections and, you know, wireless plans, even things like that. So many people just kind of go along with the, this is what I'm using. It works. I, I don't want to be bothered changing it, even though it could save them money. So it, it's definitely something to look at. And I think you mentioned about the periodicals. Um, you know, they do still exist, and it is a, a great way to allow employees and people at your business to get away from their screens, but not necessarily lose touch with their industry while they're hanging out in that lawn chair, or that bean bag, or whatever you have in the break room. So good suggestion. Now, th- thanks. And I, I will say just just us, a small podcast, a small show that's a, a property of a small, you know, part time business that I run. I, I want to put the the server stuff into perspective of why even if you're on the business side, you need to look at this. So us moving over from traditional web hosting, which we, we couldn't use just a regular traditional web host because of some of the stuff I like to do behind the scenes. So I need something a little bit more. And looking at having one of these cloud VPS solutions, now we're going with uh, AWS LightSail in case anyone's curious. I think I've mentioned that on the show before. So that's what we're doing. But DigitalOcean, I mean, IBM has these, Microsoft has these with Azure. They're everywhere. Um, But LightSail, the, the purpose was to make these easier so that people can just spin up instances in one click and not know how to integrate all the tools and services. And for a long time, I've been looking at these things like, I know we need to move into the cloud. I know the cloud is the future that I don't need a shared host anymore, that I'm not getting what I'm paying for as opposed to what I could be. Here's the point I'm trying to sell. We're looking at an 80% reduction in hosting costs. 80%. Now, again, we're talking in the couple hundreds, not even into the thousands per year, but this would scale up fairly accurately 
to where we're talking, we would still talk from 50 to 80% savings. You're going to have to go out and spend a lot of money to make that up if your strategy is at the end of the year, spend, 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 spend to lower your taxable revenue. If you can save 80% in one of the IT categories in your business, I'm not guaranteeing that. I'm not saying that your results are going to be the same. That's just what we're looking at as a small podcast. That's crazy to me. I, I, I mean, how much would I have to go buy and spend of our revenue, spend of our, our liquid cash just in order to get a tax write-off? So I think this year, my, my point is we're moving more and more towards subscriptions. Let's really analyze them and let's really do a cost-benefit analysis of should I be going out and buying a bunch of stuff if I don't need to just for tax purposes? No. But again, what if you talk to your coworkers and they say that squeaky chair is driving them absolutely apeshit bananas? I'm going to have fun bleeping that one later. But if that's what they say, then go buy a new chair. I think that's a point I want to make this year. There you go. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our uh, holiday gift giving episode. Yeah, Christopher, thanks for joining me. Absolutely wonderful insights. I, I am ready to go buy some Bluetooth headphones right now. And again, if, if we hit 10,000 downloads in a month regularly, let's make that. I have to quantify this. If we hit 10,000 downloads regularly over a three-month period, then I will buy you R2-D2. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, we're nowhere close to that. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.